what is going on guys welcome back to the next level experience uh today on wisdom wednesday we, we have a good friend of mine coach alexi joining us talking all things mindset all things self-sabotage and really how to adjust your mind to find the optimal results not only in your health and fitness journey but in life in general so kick your feet up relax grab your favorite beverage and enjoy today's episode alexi what what exactly are we talking about tonight Yeah. So today, guys, we are talking about self-sabotage and what that actually is. So and why we do it. Right. Self-sabotage can look like one of those things where you you know you want something like you say you want something, but then you're just not showing up or you're literally doing the opposite of what you know you should be doing and you just don't know why you're like, I suck. I don't know why the fuck I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to do, but actually there's a lot of psychology and limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. that cause us to stay the same because in a way, self-sabotage is actually serving you. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Awesome. So like I I talk about a lot of mindset, excuse me. (laughs) No, you're good. I I talk about a lot of mindset stuff in here. And um, I I think sometimes people think I'm a little too like woo-woo type of deal. But I, I will say working with, so like Steven's my bodybuilding coach, working with him, like it, it makes you a little woo-woo, but it also yeah. makes you kind of open up your third eye, if you will. I love that. Mike yeah. knows about the third eye. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't work with Steven and not learn about all of the extra stuff with the third eye and meditation love and that. mindset stuff and all that, all that good stuff. But that's a, that's kind of a different topic for a, for a different day. But like, I'm always talking about mindset. I'm always talking about setting yourself up for success and not setting yourself up for failure. Um, because like there, there's a big saying that we have within our program, it's you will never fail as long as you never quit. And I, I feel like sometimes people, they see having a bad day as like automatic failure. Like, Hey, I had a bad day. Oh my God. Like I, I had a Brownie. I don't know if you saw the skit that I put up today of um mel nurse matthew you you guys watching you might have seen it um there's a character that i created called mel, mel nurse matthew and uh his, mel nurse matthew's whole thing is he's always under eating he's always doing the extreme unhealthy exercise programs dieting pro- programs etc well today mel nurse matthew had a brownie and he automatically thought i failed automatically thought well there goes my diet. Now I got to do all of this extra cardio to burn my calories off. And I, I make those skits because yeah, first off, they're funny. And second off, they're educational. But thirdly, like they are a legit circumstance that a lot of people find themselves in. Like they find themselves in this mindset that, hey, if I mess up one time, I'm done for I'm a failure. Uh, why why do you think people like have that mindset of, hey, it's one and done. If I make one mistake, if I'm not a thousand percent on target with my goal, then I'm a failure. Why, why do you think people have that mindset? That's an amazing question. And I love that you made up a character, Malnourished Matthew. I need to make up my own character. It's going to be like under eating. I don't even know a name that starts with so, you, but so I got three different characters actually. I have um I have Massive Mikey. Massive Mikey is is like the typical like um I don't mean to what what is it that Planet Fitness calls bodybuilders lunks. So so like Massive oh. Mikey's like your typical like gym bro. So like he has like terrible form, like he bolts <laughs> incorrectly, that type of stuff. Malnourished Matthew, he he's always under eating, crash dieting. Then there's like M, this is my favorite one because like. I so I've gotten to a point of comfort with my masculinity that I could wear a wig on camera and be okay. I love that. <laughs> so, so I have a I have a female character named MLM Melissa, and of course she does all of the MLM stuff. <laughs> oh great, yeah, MLM Melissa. That's hilarious. I you've actually inspired me there because I feel like there's no better way to literally show people like this is what y'all look like and we've all been there right I used to be malnourished Melissa right like MLM Herbalife all that but now we can kind of just laugh at ourselves and be like damn like we've been there too right oh dude dude like somebody somebody asked me the other day where I got the idea for a massive Mikey from I was like this was me in college (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like for real, this is me. Yeah. This is me not knowing what the hell I was doing. <laughs> hey, right. I was, I was super into cardio. I thought it was going to get me toned. Mm -hmm. I would eat like, I went vegan for literally no other reason other than the fact that I thought it would make me toned. And like, I literally just whatever was on Pinterest. And I think it goes back to like, what's on media, right? Like we learned this stuff all from, you know, these things were projected onto us, these ideas, right. From magazines growing up. And I, I still see magazines to this day. Right. Or, you know, um, for a millennial or under like, you know, going on Pinterest and seeing like 60 day ab booty workout. And, you know, for the guys, maybe like the biceps or whatever, but like these extreme challenges and, I would look up how to lose 12 pounds in two weeks. And I even did like the military diet once. And like, I couldn't last a day, honestly, but that's what I thought I had to do in order to get results. Yeah. And to bring it back to your question, I, I think that people, they mess up once and they call it a day really because we create these rules around our life that really don't make any sense. Yeah. One, right? Like if I have this cookie, that cookie will ruin all your progress if you believe it does, mm -hmm. because quite literally, it's not going to ruin your progress. If you track it into your macros, what it'll be like freaking 150 calories for that. And like, you're going to go ahead and oh, may as well just restart Monday, three whole days. That's like getting one tire popped and popping the rest of them for the fuck of it. Right. Or you spill some milk. So then you just fuck it. I'm gonna just pour the whole carton out. And like, that is kind of how that all or nothing thinking occurs, but more importantly, it comes down to feeling not perfect enough. Like you need to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you don't even want to try at all because you think that this is what it takes in order to really see changes in your body and, you know, achieve that lifestyle because you've already, you've already come to the decision that you cannot like you've already came to that decision that that one cookie will ruin your progress, even though it doesn't. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that's an excellent answer because I just, I just think a lot of people have conditioned their minds into thinking, Hey, like this person I see on Instagram, like I bet like they're always on point with their diet. I bet like they're always hitting their macros to a T like, I bet like they're never eating cookies or having a brownie or anything like that whenever guys like I, I can tell you personally I'm friends with a lot of coaches I see a lot of coaches turning up on the weekends like oh real, yeah I see a lot of coaches turning up yeah on the <laughs> for real and like I, like I see a lot of coaches in, indulging into like in some of their favorite things but guess what that's okay because like they've mastered the art of the mindset like they've mastered the art of understanding hey I can go out have a good time on Saturday but in order to do that, I need to be on my game Monday through Friday and Sunday. So That's like they right. mastered that mindset where right. before I, I could guarantee you almost every coach has dealt with this because I know I have. And, you know, Lexi, I'm sure you have where yeah. before it's like, OK, like uh, I went out. I was I was planning on being good, but one beer led to two, two beers led to seven, seven beers led to eating the whole, like eating the thing of nachos, like, oh, well, there goes my Saturday. Now Sunday's here. Might as well enjoy Sunday too. So yep. it's a, it's a process of understanding. Like it's not about perfection. It's about consistency. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you explained that perfectly. Like it, it really is like that slow domino effect. Like I was visualizing it exactly that's exactly what happens right is we first off categorize it as being good what does good even look like like if i were to ask you what does good look like and your answer would be choosing the salad at dinner not eating any of the fries i really want that espresso martini but i'm just going to get a water instead and looking fucking depressed while your friends are enjoying themselves and looking at you like you're not going to have any like you're on a diet or something or, oh, like I could never. And it's just like, it creates this who nobody, I, nobody wants to live that way. So that's when you end up being like, okay, well, I'm gonna have a little bit of this and you create that domino effect. But something that you said, I think that was really powerful. And I'm trying to remember, um, damn it. I lost my train of thought. Maybe I'll pick it up again. That always happens to me, but no, I love that. Yeah. And like, honestly, it's just, it's really funny because 
I had a conversation with, with somebody today and I, I was telling them like, we are actually in control of all of our actions. Like we're in control of every single thing we feel we're in control of every single thing we think we're in control of every single, you know, item that we put in our mouth. We're in control of just about every single aspect and mm -hmm. circumstance within our life. And I, I feel like people, they don't like, they understand that, but they think, Hey, it has to be a extreme. Like it can't just be like moderate. Like you can't just be like at, at a balance. And like, I, right. I know, I know a lot of people on the internet talk about, Oh, like, there's got to be balance. And then there's also the camp that's like, oh, fuck your balance. Like, like they can't be balanced. Like, yeah, right. Guys, listen, there can be balance. All right? right. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's Andy Frisella or if it's your right. neighbor, neighbor, Tom next door, who's saying, fuck your balance. Like <laughs> it's okay to have some balance in your life. I like, I promise Andy Frisella is not going to kick your door in and be like, Hey, screw your balance, dude. <laughs> He's not going to do that. I met him before. He won't do it. Um, yeah. But like one, one thing I was also talking to this person about was I saw a TikTok last night and like, I was just casually scrolling through TikTok and I randomly just stopped on the video. And this dude was like, take a moment, pause this video and think about like, what if you were to die tomorrow? Like, just, just think about what if you were to die? Like, what would you do tonight? Like, like, who would you spend time with? What would you say to that person? Like, what would, like, would you spend time with your dog? Stuff like that. And like, I paused the video and I really started thinking about it. And I started thinking about my fiance. I started thinking about our dogs, like what I would do, what I would say to them, et cetera. And then that kind of had a revelation in my mind as well. It's like, I really think people need to start looking at what if I die tomorrow? Are you yeah. like, like for real, like, what if you die tomorrow? Are, are you going to be satisfied with your very last day on this planet saying, no, I'm just going to sit here and pick on this salad and drink my glass of water while my friends are having a cocktail. Notice I said a cocktail and not all the cocktails. Balance. Like, are you really going to sit there and watch your friends have a cocktail and enjoy themselves while you're sitting there in the corner depressed because now you spent your last day on this planet depressed. You spent your right. last day on this planet miserable. Right. Just because you have this idea of, Hey, I have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But in reality, guess what? Nobody is perfect. Even mm -hmm. in like, I bring him up a lot just because I, I think he is, I, I think he's valid. The ideal person for perfection, which is, is Chris Bumstead. I bring him up because like, he's won Olympia the, last four years in a row like he right. is known as the perfect athlete right now like, right he's not even perfect because like yeah. guess what the judges even have notes about his back they said his back was not wide enough mm -hmm. a dude who's won the <laughs> super bowl for bodybuilding the last four years has something wrong with him it's okay for you to not be perfect <laughs> right right i love that i love that yeah it's it's the same thing for I think, I mean, it goes for both men and women, right? Like social media, we go on there and especially with TikTok nowadays, right? You may, yep. you guys may or may not even be on TikTok, but it is everyone's highlight reel. You are seeing an image of someone or something that they wanted to share, but you are not seeing, you're not seeing the behind the scenes, right? And that's honestly why I am so like, I have like a deep love for just showing the behind the scenes of my life, not only because I want to document it and be able to look back and be like, wow, like I remember that, but also so people can feel like, like, yeah, like as your coach, I fuck up too. Like I literally under ate in protein, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I was just unprepared. You know, I just honestly was just so focused on work that I fell back into a habit of putting my own health and fitness on the back burner, even though I know that it makes me feel better. And like, I told my community that, and they were like, damn, it's nice to hear that you, like, you don't think that your coach fucks up. Like you think your coach is on it with her nutrition and training every single week, doesn't miss a day. And that definitely is not the truth. Right. And I think that balance is going to look different for everybody, right? For somebody being like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not honestly, I'm, I'm not even craving that slice of cake or whatever. So because I'm just not even wanting it, I'm just going to choose that because 
If I do, I'm going to just going to be doing it just because it's there and making that empowered decision that could look like balance to that person while the other person balance could look like getting that slice of cake Mm -hmm. and having it and enjoying it and being mindful and being with your friends and not feeling guilty about it. Now, I think what goes like where people go wrong is they think, okay, balance and they throw everything out the window and they kind of go balls to the walls to everything. And they go, oh, see what happens when I'm balanced. I can't be balanced. I have to be extreme. Right. And again, you just have to master that balancing scale. Right. What have, I mean, I'm curious, I have a question for you, Mike. Um, What was a time in your journey where you created these rules for yourself that were really hard to break? Like maybe you even knew the science behind things, but you still had these rules that like, if you didn't do things this way, like you, you couldn't do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a good question. Hmm. That's actually a good question. So um, I like, I I don't know if you know this or not. I I really need to make an update video on this now that I think about it, but like I, you've seen my journey before, like where I started and like, I got into bodybuilding and like started competing and blah, 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 boring stuff. Um, But like, I kind of did the reverse within the last year. I gained a lot of weight back. Like I gained like, I think 70 pounds back almost um, just to show our clientele, like how possible it is to lose weight, like how possible it is to transform your body. Um, So like, I'm kind of doing what you were talking about, which is like documenting the journey a little bit and showing people like, Hey, this is really what goes into it. This is the background. And I promise of getting to my answer. Uh, But this is actually something that I realized as a late, I remember for the longest time, like I've been a coach for going on 10 years now, like the longest time I would always go, huh? Oh, well, I had four hours of sleep. I could, whatever. Like I'll take two scoops of pre-workout and I'll train today and it'll be okay. And like, whatever. But like now, like I've started incorporating a rule and like, I have to thank Steven for this actually. Um, Like I started incorporating a rule. I go, Hey, if I haven't had a minimum of six hours, I'm not training today. And that has really helped a lot because coming from somebody who has a athletic background and somebody who, you know, his transformation came from bodybuilding with bodybuilding. We're often working out five times a week. We're often like working out sometimes twice a day. Like it's right. really hard sometimes to say, Hey, maybe I need to pull the reins back. Maybe I need to slow down because my body's not in a place to train. My body's not in a place where we can properly get the correct muscle stimulus that we need today in order to grow. So will it be better for me to take two scoops of pre-workout, drag my ass through a workout, half-ass it, and then go home? Or will it be better for me to do something light, like focus on steps or get on the bike and just pedal? Nothing extreme. We're just moving the legs and pedaling and scrolling on TikTok. Right. Like, would that be better for us? Like, which is going to be better? So as like to answer your question, one thing that I've struggled with is like understanding when it's time to train and when it's time to pull back. So mm-hmm. right. Like you had you had created this subconscious rule for yourself that sleep is for the week. You don't need to fucking rest. Like just put a bandaid on it, get to work and stop complaining. Right. It's like that, that, um, not toxic positivity, but like, it's, it's, it's a toxic way of working, right? It's, it's actually not doing good for you. You feel like I'm pushing myself mentally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You proved it to yourself. Great job. You're mentally disciplined, but now your body's broken down and you know, you feel like shit for the next four days and you're binging, right? That, I I love that you said that because, I mean, I competed too for like three and a half years. I competed in the bikini division. I wanted to go pro, like all the things. And, you know, I struggled a lot with like binge eating, like especially after shows, right? Like you say, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, go crazy this time. And it would be one thing after another, right? And a rule that I had found, discovered that I created for myself was like, Okay. This is, yeah, this is, this is how like disordered eating happens. Right. I would be like, okay, I'm going to like eat these fucking 12 Nutella sandwiches tonight, but like tomorrow I'm going to, I'm not going to eat all day until I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast until 6 PM and have right. Oh my God. Fast, like fasting. I have seen it. it, It's literally, um, 
a band-aid term for basically just not eating and starving yourself, right? Like, yeah, you're technically fasting because you binged, right? But you're creating these cycles, right? And that was like a rule that I had created for myself. And honestly, I I had gotten so used to going so long without eating and then eating so much all that at once that psychologically eating throughout the day felt like more. I don't even know if that makes sense, but like when you're, yeah, like you're trying to control your weight and control what's going on, you actually create chaos. So um, that's just so interesting. Yeah. So it's really interesting because like whenever it comes to working with men and women, especially like in the world of bodybuilding, because I'm a bodybuilding coach also, um, I've noticed with my male competitors, they have the issue that I had. And with Mm -hmm. female competitors, they have the issue that you just brought up. Yeah. It's it's like they don't know how to transition out of prep into normal life or how to transition out of a prep, like a prep diet to just counting your macros and like, Focus on being actual human again. Like right. Not being a robot. Right. You so, get good. No, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So so I I was about to say, and I I think that has a lot to do with I've noticed with men, men, if we have a goal, we're just very laser focused. Yeah. And I've noticed with women, I, I might get burnt for this. I don't know. But <laughs> I've noticed with women, there's a lot more emotion that, that goes into decisions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more like, well, if I do this and that's going to happen. And then if that happens and this happens, there's a lot more overthinking going on. Yeah, it's a lot more. Uh, my dad always said that women are risk managers and men are risk takers. Absolutely. Not to say that, you know, women don't take risks and whatever, but women are, we're always like managing like all the risks and like calculating, like, you know, this, that, 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 well, what if I do this and that, that you're already 10 steps ahead and you're causing yourself anxiety and overwhelm and men just, you know, in their own way, they can kind of get lost in that focus. Like they can get that tunnel vision. And I, I see it in my dad. I see it in my brother. They get so focused on a goal that they kind of like, like get swallowed up in the process almost and such a reality completely lose touch with reality in that sense oh they both lose reality but in different ways right so um that's so 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 interesting and the thing with self-sabotage as well is that it's it it's it comes from our ego right and our ego trying to keep us comfortable in what we're used to and sometimes what we're used to literally is the shit that's keeping us stuck but we'd subconsciously rather stay in that cycle because that's what we're used to versus take a new approach that yeah is a little uncomfortable and you got to do a little bit of work to get used to but it's new it's uncertain it's different so i'd rather just stay over here yeah so i i love it that that you brought up the ego and i know some of my clients are probably watching this like shit she brought up that word psychology guys. <laughs> I, talk, I, talk, I talk about ego a lot. And I, I remember the first time I ever talked about ego, a lot of clients were like, I don't have an ego. Like having an ego is a bad thing. Like if this is your first time hearing about an ego, everybody has one. And like me saying you have an ego, that doesn't mean you're arrogant or big headed or uh, arrogant. Right. What right. That's, what's, what that's basically saying is your ego is your comfort system. Your ego is kind of like that shield of armor that you have on you that's trying to keep you safe, trying to keep you protected, trying to keep you comfortable. Mm -hmm. And like, I always tell people, like, whenever we feel like we're not doing the right thing, or whenever we feel like, like, we're just failing, or whenever we like, or like, if we have like a big meeting, and well, maybe, maybe I should just tell them, hey, I'm sick. Hey, I got a flat tire. That's your ego talk. And like, like this happened to me the uh, other night, this happened to me on Tuesday night, I had to check my ego, because like, I had a really big sales call with a uh, professional athlete. And I was like, you know, this is big, like, this is gonna open a lot of doors, like, I don't know if I could do this. Like, I, like I was pacing around my house and like, thankfully he had to push back at like an hour because of some flight stuff. So like I went and like went for a walk and did some cardio and like just got some of my energy out and yeah. I, okay, no, we got this. And like everything went fine. And it's, it's fun. It's funny to like be in the position we are in because a lot of people see us as 
influencers, a lot of people see us as, you know, very knowledgeable, powerful people. But at the same time, we still struggle with the same things that our clients struggle with. We still have egos. I, I could guarantee you, you've probably been on calls before with potential clients and you're like, okay, I don't know if I could do this. Can I really do this? Then you had to be like, ego, look, chill the fuck out. We got this. Sit in the corner, do your thing. Like, let me yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, I literally had a breakdown today. Like I literally was like, oh my God, but it's, it's in my fitness journey. I feel like I've grown so much in that, but that doesn't mean that I don't struggle with the same things that somebody struggles with in their fitness journey with my business. Like, I feel like more of that energy is just now towards my business. Like I don't trip about things about the scale and not hitting my macros. Like I just don't because I have that Mm self-trust, but now when it comes to building a company and like being a baby CEO, I'm like, that all, you know, all the beginning feelings I have now, but just in my business, right? The self-doubt comes up, the, the ego getting hurt, right? Like dealing with rejection or feeling like you really, really love this person's energy and you know that you would be able to help them, but they're letting their fears get in the way and you can't control that. Like literally just, I deal with those things on a day-to-day basis. And again, that's why I'm so adamant. And I know you're really great at that as well of, showing that side because people can look at us and be like, oh, they've got it all together. You know what I mean? And it's not that it's just, I think that there's a lot of power and I'm all open to the woo-woo too, because woo-woo helped heal all the shit that was going on inside. Right. And I think that when you learn how to manage self-sacrifice and you understand why you're actually doing it, what it's actually protecting you from, because by the way, your self-sabotaging because actually serves you in some way, even though you feel like this is stopping me from getting my goals. I want to do this. I want to do that, but I'm just, I'm not doing it. It's actually serving you in some way, shape or form. And if you can identify how is this serving me? Well, it, it helps me stay comfortable, which is the ego's job. The ego's job is to keep you from feeling pain. I'm feeling emotional discomfort and pain. So if for every opportunity to succeed is also an equal opportunity to quote unquote fail in our minds. So we would hyper fixate on the opportunities to fail and let ourselves down that we end up just staying the same to prevent those feelings. Mm -hmm. But really you're not happy anyway. So you're kind of just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I, I just think that's so interesting how that all ties together. Yeah, like one thing I always encourage coaches to do is to be vulnerable, like be vulnerable as hell with your audience. Um, I, I was going through a rough time back in January. And like, I just felt something off, like, I couldn't like put a finger on it. Like I was, like, I was losing weight, because like, we're now in a cut. And like, I'm hitting all of my macros, I'm getting all my lifts in, like, I'm still like, my strength is still present, like, even though we're cutting weight, like, everything's going good. Like business is going well. And like, I was just sitting there one day. I was like, I don't know what is wrong. Like, I just like, just something at my core felt like off. And like, I took, took like a day off to myself and I meditated for like, I want to say about 45 minutes and about 40 of those minutes, I sat my subconscious and the other five, I sat my frontal conscious and dude, I came back I had the biggest breakdown in my life. And like I shared that with, you know, with some of my clients and like, I was just talking to some of my clients and I was like, like the weirdest thing, whenever I was in my subconscious, like I realized like what's been going on. I'm getting married this year and I'm scared. I'm going to be like my dad. Cause like my, like my Mm -hmm. dad was a drug addict and alcoholic and very abusive towards my mom and I, and I was like, I'm scared. I'm going to end up like him. I'm scared I'm going to not be a good dad. I'm scared I'm not going to be a good spouse. Like I'm scared I'm not going to be able to like retire Catherine how I want to in the next 10 years. Like I'm just scared of not being able to be the provider that I want to be for her. And getting married is a really big step. And I like I, I think part of me was underplaying it a lot like part of me was like oh like it's just something that's going on like you know I've been living with Catherine for like two years now like you know it'll be the same thing like it's not that big of a deal and then like I had the the revelation I'm like this is a big deal like it's no longer just about you 
Like it's now about you and her. It's now about your family. It's now about so much more than just what Mike wants. It's about what's good for Mike and Catherine, what's good for our right. future children. And right. like I shared that with them and to find out uh, one of my clients was dealing with something similar. Like he thought he was being a bad dad because he was so focused on his business. He was so focused on, you know, trying to get healthier for his family. Like he was feeling very similar feelings that I was feeling at that time. And like him and I were able to bond over that. So I think it's a very powerful thing to be, to be a coach and to be able to still bond with your clientele, um, you know, especially on, on emotional level, things like that. And I, like, I'm always encouraging our clientele to do meditation. Like we, we have a, we have a yoga instructor within our program. She makes like yoga videos for our clients to follow along with. Um, like I do meditation modules within our educational vault. Like I'm always trying to encourage meditation and whenever I could get a client to actually sit there, meditate, commit to it, they bring so much stuff to the surface. And then they like, we have like a talk like this about it. And it's just, they've had so much bottled up from their childhood, from their teenage years, from their college years, from the first time they became, from, from the first time they became a mother, like they've had so right. much bottled up that in reality, they just needed to get it out in order to start seeing clearer. Right, right. That's, I, first of all, I love the fact that you have your, like you make it a point, like meditation is powerful, right? Because nobody has taught us to meditate. Like you don't, I've like, we're not going to learn that growing up unless it's part of like your religion, maybe, or you practice I, it. I was actually taught that um, meditation was a dangerous thing because it could let the devil in. I used, yes, I was taught that as well. Like, you know, meditation, all of that stuff was taboo. You know what I mean? I grew up very like Christian too, like Christian family. And my dad's Dominican. So like Roman Catholic, uh, you know, and very like, oh no. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I... I was, I was, I was scared of it at first. And then truly God, the universe, however you want to identify your higher power, I feel like led me to meditation. And like, I had kind of just fell upon it and I felt safe to do so. And mm -hmm. I reaped the benefits and I was like, this, I just feel like I connected with I just feel like I connected with God, with my higher self, with your intuition, with whatever, again, you identify it with, but I just felt like I just was able to sit in presence. And I think what people, what, what people think of meditation is, isn't what it really is. I think that I went into meditation thinking that I, if I thought one thought I messed up mm -hmm. and like, I would one thought and I have to start over and it's I would get nothing. Yeah. And I have ADHD as well. So like, if I had one, two thoughts, I'd be like, Oh my God, I can't do this. Right. But it's not about stopping your thoughts and keeping them back. It's quite literally about letting them flow and observing what comes out. So if you have a TikTok song stuck in your head for the first four minutes, let it play in your head. It'll leave. And then you start thinking about, you know, you just start thinking about random shit and like observe what's coming up as if you're sitting on a mountaintop and just watching the clouds pass by. Like that's the best way. Cause at some, at some point in time, you're going to get a lot, you're going to be able to collect a lot of information about the things that are going on. You're going to be able to use that to your advantage and journal about it or talk to someone about it to really clear that out. You're going to create more space mm -hmm. in your subconscious mind and in your body to have more clarity, to have less anxiety, to feel more grounded and more emotionally stable. And you could do that within five fucking minutes. You know what I mean? You don't have to have like a whole hour and sit in monk position. Like mm -hmm. it could literally be you just going on your walk. And it's, it's a game changer. When did you get into meditation? About a year ago. Okay, nice. I, I think me as well, like a year or two ago. Yeah. So, so guys, I do want to elaborate, like you don't have to do like a 45 minute session. Like I did, I just knew there was something going on at my core. Right. 
And it just ended up being 45 minutes just because like I had so much digging to do because like while I was like meditating, like I was like checking everything. I was like, is business okay? Yeah. Is my relationship okay? Yeah. Like, are the dogs okay? Yeah. Like, is the house on fire? No. Like, like I was trying to figure out what was going on and like I had to dig, dig, dig. Like I had to dig all the way back to my childhood to (laughs) say, ha, this is what it is. This is what I'm worried about. And like, I, I will say this about meditation. It's, it's made me a better partner. It's legit mm-hmm. made me a better partner because as a man, we oftentimes have a hard time expressing how we feel because yeah. like just growing up, we're, we're taught, Hey, we gotta be rugged. We gotta be manly. We gotta rub some dirt on it. Whenever our feelings get hurt. Wow. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we gotta be he man. And yeah meditating has really helped me embrace a lot of my traumas. It's helped me embrace a lot of my feelings. So after I meditate, I usually walk out of my office and I tell Catherine, Hey, I love you. Hey, I'm thankful for you. Or like, Hey, I just like got done meditating and I need to talk to you about this. Like it brings a lot of issues that I didn't know was an issue to me, to my frontal conscious. And it allows so much, more clarity it allows so much more focus it it just it allows it's like it's hard to explain it's just like uh it's like a world of comfort it's like you're at peace and it's like nothing can bother you it's it's literally being you're being present and a lot of the times we're not present or we don't really know how to be present. And if you're somebody sitting here listening to this right now and you're like I just can't meditate like I'm too restless for that that's exactly why your ass should meditate because <laughs> you need to sit down and calm the fuck down, take a deep Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> literally. And, you know, I, I think that's a really impressive quality. I think also in a man as well, to be able to kind of put your, your pride aside as well and be like, listen, this doesn't make us weak or soft or whatever. This actually makes us stronger because we're able to, be embody that higher level self that can give and have the capacity to receive and give more of that love in your life, right? Improve your relationships, like you said. Yeah, I love meditation, so that's a win for me. There you go. There you go. So, um, I, I will say this for, for my guys listening to this. Um, first thing, Jordan Peterson, um, he he always talks about like men should be dangerous and men should be powerful and like men, like we should be able to become violent. And he also says that, you know, a man knows how to control that. Mm -hmm. And I want you to understand if you're a man listening to this, you being at peace, you being able to brush stuff off, you being able to express your emotion that makes you dangerous because like you've now, like now you understand how to control your anger. You know how to control that, that violent part of you, because like, like we were talking before, you know, we hopped on here that we're basically animals at the end of the day. Right. Right? Men, whenever we were growing up through the primal era, you know, they were the hunters. They were the ones that protected the household. They were the violent ones out of the man and the woman. So it's natural for men to have that, violent anger tendency mm-hmm. but we also have to learn to control it now we have mm-hmm. to learn how to let it sit inside us and not eat away at us and i think a lot of men they let it sit in there and they don't know how to get that energy out guess right. how you get it out through your other emotions that's how you get rid of it so like understand like being able to tell your wife hey i love you hey you look beautiful today hey like you said this and it made me feel this way like you being able to do that doesn't make you weak it makes you strong it makes you dangerous it makes you able to like embrace your masculinity and like Mm -hmm. like, i just think that's a beautiful thing and secondly my my men listening to this understand that hope my mom's not listening to this but like (laughs) Like being like being like my my last year meditating, it's made me a better partner in more ways than one. I'm now more yeah. like I'm now more aware in that aspect as well, because right. guess what? I don't have a million thoughts in my head. I'm able to be present. I'm able mm-hmm. to actually focus on her. I'm able to actually focus on that moment. Like on my whiteboard, I have be present AF today, like in big capital letters, because like it's just a reminder to myself always be present. You might be anxious about that bill that's, that is coming up next week. Right. 
like I have to drop a I have to drop a, a nice little payment on, on a wedding next weekend and like that's that's sitting in the back of my mind so I know whenever I meditate tomorrow morning that's going to pop up but like be able to ground yourself be able to not worry about it like I could sit here and do this lesson mm -hmm. knowing hey I got this big bill that's coming out on my bank account next weekend but that doesn't matter right now because what matters right now is you guys so right. like being able to be present makes you a better man as well, because right. you're able to be there for your wife. You're able to be there for your kids. Whenever you and your partner are being, being intimate, like you can be focused on that instead of being worried about, well, shit, I got to go to work tomorrow. Well, Becky at work said this and it pissed me off or like, <laughs> man, I got to fix that, that leaky faucet that's in the kitchen. Like you're no longer thinking about that stuff because you've learned to ground yourself within the moment. Right. I think that's awesome. And I think also it creates a safe space for your partner to be more like, you know, I think that most men, they want a strong woman, but they also want their woman to be able to be soft and gentle with them. And in my experience, if I'm with a man who can't control his emotions, he doesn't know how to express himself. It makes me more closed off. It makes me less affectionate. And like, cause I'm like, scared like I'm like what you know what I mean and honestly I even have my own experience with that where um my first relationship ever I was very naive and you know I was young and I was very like I can heal him type of energy right <laughs> and I tried to heal somebody who didn't want to be healed oh, and what happened was is that they ended up walking all over me right and what I took from that was okay being gentle, being compassionate, being this is weak and is seen as weakness and I'll get taken advantage of. So you know what? I'm just going to go the complete opposite and be a very aggressive woman in her masculine energy who literally a guy would come up to me at the bar and be like whiskey and Coke, like, and they would do it. And I would be like, okay, bye. Like that. I, tr like I had a very skewed vision on men and relationships and that, but that in itself was me choosing to believe that tapping into your emotions was a weakness. And because I thought it was a weakness, I didn't find no love in my life. You know what I mean? I still was just as sad, but I was putting on this facade of, oh, independent, you know, aggressive girl who like doesn't need an, I don't need anybody type of energy. And that's, it's imbalanced, right? So I love that you brought that up because you know, there can be a lot of stigmas around things, but at the end of the day, we can talk about this all day, but you won't know until you try. Yeah. Like I, I remember like growing up in the South, like, like being from South Carolina, like a very rural area of South Carolina where like, there's like no stop, like no stoplights or anything like straight, like Hicktown. yeah, straight <laughs> Hicktown, dude. I'm telling you, um, like the common idea of what a man was, was somebody who can fix a motor, like I, I could barely change the oil in my car. So like growing up, it's like, well, does that mean I'm not a man? And what's, right. what's really wild is the more I connect with myself, what I like, what I don't like, what I love, what I hate, what, you know, I'm interested in what I'm not interested in. I feel more like a man every single day. So like, if you're a dude listening to this, like understand, like whatever, definition of masculinity somebody put in your head they put it there not you you could create your own definition and guess what that's completely okay for you to create your own definition of something mm -hmm. yeah and, and like like i, I want to touch on that re really quick um like the definition of things because like i i feel like this is with mindset as well you know we hear people say oh like i ate bad today or like hey i had a really good day today or like mm -hmm. hey i did good on my diet today one thing I always ask people is, okay, cool. Define good. What do you mean by good? And because right. ev everybody's definition of good and bad is different. And mm -hmm. one thing I talk about all the time is good and bad don't exist. What we define as good and bad exists. And right. like, that's very woo woo for a lot of people to understand because, you know, we're always taught like, Hey, this is good. Hey, this is bad. Hey, this is like light. This is dark type. Right. Of but I'm a firm believer, like no, somebody along the way said, Hey, this is bad. Somebody right. along the way said, Hey, this is good. Right. So, so like, how, how do you think people go about like adapting that mindset, understanding like, Hey, if I have a brownie, that doesn't mean that I did bad. Like that, right. that 
like, like, how do you think people start to adapt that mindset of removing the idea of good yeah. versus evil, you know? Right, right. Well, I think it's interesting you even said like woo-woo, right? Because in my opinion, I don't even think that's woo-woo. I think that's basic psychology, right? We all were born from the ages, like any any age below eight years old, we are a sponge mm-hmm. and we are basically forming our identities. So like we're we're forming them not based off of our own selves being like you know what this is what i decide we base them actually off of projections from other people so what your parents told you you were what your teacher said that you were what how you were treated you know around your friend groups and growing up and you create these identities you know i am track runner i am big kid i am skinny kid i am xyz you create these identities about yourself and we become very like black and white about everything. When in reality, the world isn't black and white, it's shades of gray, blue and pink and everything, right? So I think that the best way people can break out of that all or nothing mindset is first, I think education is important. I think that, you know, the ability to be able to go, okay, clearly I have to take radical honesty and understand that I just maybe don't know as much as I think I know. And I'm open to receiving that new knowledge. I think education is a huge piece in it, right? Because the only reason you think like a cookie's going to ruin your progress because you don't understand macronutrients, you don't understand your body, right? So that's the first thing. And then two is giving yourself more grace and learning self-forgiveness and self-kindness. Because usually what happens is you have that first cookie or you have the drink and you just, I'm a failure. You've decided you failed at that point in time. But what would it look like if you ate that cookie and you go, you know what? Like, I I feel a little guilt, but we're just going to sit with it and I'm just going to release it. And I'm just going to I'm going to move on. I'm going to have the same rest of my meals and I'm I'm choosing not to let it affect me. Or you say, you know, I forgive myself for how I treated my body yesterday. I kind of feel like shit today. Instead of doing what I used to do, which is not eat all day, I'm going to have, you know, high protein meal. I'm going to, you know, have some healthy carbs, some healthy fats because my body still needs it. What would it look like then? I'm sure you'll get way more results and just feel a lot more better than that. So I think that's really the main things in order to break out of that. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, we, we have one client in our program. One thing she, she always tells me is she's like, yeah, I just want to quit because I get discouraged a lot. And I'm like, okay, but like, why are we getting discouraged? Well, progress just isn't happening as fast or like when, whenever I don't see results, like right away like it just makes me discouraged and it makes me want to quit um how how would you suggest my team and i go about that i love this question because again you know we're both coaches so we deal with those types of things i am huge on powerful questioning because you can when you have the person kind of just speak it out loud they can hear for themselves Mm -hmm. like that that's bullshit right um so if someone were to say to me i want to quit because i'm feeling discouraged i would ask are you feeling discouraged because i'm not seeing progress fast enough okay how fast would you like to see progress within the first three weeks okay and what if that's not the case. What if it takes you eight weeks to start seeing a little bit more physical progress, eight weeks of, you know, 80% consistency. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then, you know, what if by eight weeks, I don't see progress? What if you don't, what's the alternative? What's the alternative to just saying, fuck it. I'm just going to stop mm-hmm. because the time's going to pass anyway. So if the alternative is okay, well then I give up. I do exactly what I was doing before, feel like shit and start over That means in 12 weeks from now, you would just start all over again and have to go through the process anyway. So why the fuck don't we just stick it out, you know, have your little temper tantrum, but like, it's going to take time. And I assure you're on track, but that's kind of how we like to take the conversations because it shows for themselves. Like you're right. If I give up now, just because I'm having a little bit of a baby temper tantrum on how fast I want to see results, then in 12 weeks from now, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to have to start over anyway. And I would have wasted all that time. So <laughs> Dude, that's like, that's perfect. Cause like, that's what I tell people all the time. Like if we're in like week five of rebuilding your metabolism and they're like, 
oh, like I want to cut, like I want to lose weight. Like I'm not losing weight fast enough. Like the scale's not going down. Like I'm just going to go back to what I, what I was doing. I'm, I always tell them, cool, whenever you come back to me, guess what? We're going to have to start this all over again. <laughs> so it's up to you. Do you want to continue for three more weeks then finally get into a cut? Or do you want to come back to me in a few months whenever like keto didn't work again? And now we have to do a whole nother eight week cycle of rebuilding your metabolism. Which one do you want? Because to me, three weeks is better than eight weeks. Right. Absolutely. And I think people, like I said earlier, they get comfortable in what they think works and it doesn't, if it, if I always like to ask, how did that work for you in the past? Like, how did that work for you before? You think if you're just going to snap your fingers and it's going to be a different result this time, that's literally the definition of insanity is doing the same shit and thinking maybe this time it'll be different. Yeah. So like that, that, that brings up another good question. So why, like, why do you think people always feel like they need to go back to the well? Well, I lost 30 pounds doing keto. Well, Melissa, you gained 40 pounds, like as soon as you stopped. Well, I lost X amount of weight doing fasting like or intermittent fasting. Well, why did you gain all the weight back plus of extra five pounds? Like, why do you think people are always wanting to go back to the well and not really wanting to... I guess approach it the right way in the way where like, Hey, this is like been proven to work time and time again, because like guys, like everybody listening, listening to this, Lexi takes her clients through the same protocol that every other coach I've had on here takes their clients through. Guess yeah. what the protocol is? It's the one I take you through. It's the one that Megan takes you through. So it's the same protocol. So like, I'm telling you, we are not crazy. Megan and I are not crazy. We've brought in coach after coach after coach after coach, and they're all saying the same thing. So if you're a client or not listening to this, I'm telling you, it's not just BS that I'm spewing out there. Like it's the mm-hmm. actual facts. So going back to my question, like, why do you think people want to go back to the well all the time? I think because it gives them a sense of control. Again, it gives them that sense of that they're in control. And here's the thing with our approaches, you know, proper reverse diet or maintenance phase followed by a slow and steady cut, you're still going to lose the fat. But the difference is, is that the keto or the whatever fucking extreme that you did gave you those results more instantly. So you had the instant gratification of this is how much I'm losing so much weight so fast. Yay. But you're neglecting the fact that you gained it all back. You don't have your dream physique and your dream lifestyle and the healed relationship with food. And you've been doing the same shit since you were a teenager. So you're still going to be able to do that. But I think because it doesn't happen fast enough for people. And I think also, again, it goes back to the media and society and what we're programmed to think as a normal uh, rate of weight loss a week. Like I have clients who think that they're supposed to lose like five pounds a week. And I'm like, no, you're not even going to lose three pounds a week. You may lose a half of a pound this week. You may not see the scale move at all. You may lose two pounds this month. And people think they're supposed to be losing this rate of weight loss at 10, 15, 20 pounds a month. And that is so skewed. It's not even normal. And that's why they regain it all back because they don't understand the way that our hunger hormones work, our metabolism. So I think the whole, well, you know, is a way for them to gain control over the situation again and give the ego what it wants, which is what's comfortable and what's going to give them instant gratitude. It's like a, it's like a toddler, right? We love you guys, right? But it is like a toddler, like, no, I want to have it now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, do we reward that type of attitude? No. But if you go and do it on your own, what's going to happen, right? Like you're going it, to, it, it's all that it is, is instant gratification. Like that, it's instant. The feeling goes away. You didn't work for shit because you were looking for an easy way out. So guess what? Because you didn't work for shit, you don't value shit. You don't value your body, the hard work. And so you go back to old habits because that's all you know. So I think that's why people go, well, because they're trying to just gain control of the situation again. And there's a part of them that's simply just scared of what if I take this approach and I don't lose the weight or what if I take this approach and I get bulky or whatever it is. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it when, whenever people bring that up <clears throat> because one thing I always kind of throw back at them is, well, you've tried every other diet on, on the face of the earth. Why not try this one? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that fucking that? Octavia shit came out last year. I got a call from my mom. She's like, oh yeah, we're doing this um Octavia. I was like, what? I was like, she's like, yeah, we're we're, you know, don't worry about it. We're doing like this three shakes a day. They I see them lose a little bit of weight. I see them five weeks later, they're more inflamed than ever. And I'm like, here we go. And I'm teaching them about macros and all of that. But they grew up that way. They grew up watching their parents follow the next trend, the next trend, the next trend. And to actually do it sustainably just sounds like, I guess to people, it sounds like voodoo or like, like it's just some fairy tale thing that is we just talk about and we're trying to sabotage you and it's not actually a real thing. I don't know. Oh, Lexi, don't you know that we only like make clients eat more so they have to work with us for longer? Oh, yeah. Don't you know I just make clients eat more because like I actually just want them to gain a bunch of weight and I don't give a fuck about their goals and I'm trying to sabotage them like, no, like this is not what we're trying to do, y'all. We're doing it because we've been through it and we know how to help you break that too. But if you're so attached to what you've always known, great, go do it again. See how that works out for you. And like Mike said, I'll see you in three months from now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is going to be my final question because we're we're running a little over. I do apologize. No, all good. But I had a uh, call with somebody about a week ago, and uh, I really hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. I'm not going to share her name, though. Um, Talked to an individual. She's been dieting for almost 40 years now. She said that she has been dieting since she was 14. She loses the weight. It comes back. She loses the weight. Life happens. Then she gains the weight back. And one thing, like I asked her, I was like, when is enough enough? Like almost 40 years dieting. Like when, like, when are you done? Like, right. when are you done dieting? When, when is enough dieting enough dieting? When, when is like, when are you going to hit that brick wall where, Hey, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And mm-hmm. like, we had a long talk and like, it was a very emotional talk. Like she got very emotional and, mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate her being so vulnerable with me on the call and like, just being transparent. Like she didn't end up working with us because she said, and not putting words in her mouth. So I'm kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, paraphrasing. Yeah. Paraphrasing. Thank you. Yeah. So kind of paraphrasing here. Um, she basically said that getting a coach would make her feel like a failure. Um, and like that, that was a little mind blowing to me because we're almost approaching the 40 year mark of you trying to get the body that you want. And now you feel like getting a coach is going to make you a failure. Whenever Mm -hmm. we've obviously have, been going down this road alone for a while and we're not getting anywhere right why do you think people have the approach or idea hey me working with a coach or a trainer or a nutritionist or a dietitian whoever it may be working with a professional why do you think people see that as hey i'm a failure because according to her it makes her feel like she needs her hand held for the rest of her life right Right. I think that's a great question. Um, And, you know, it's a valid fear for a lot of people who have been so used to doing things a certain way or their way. I think also it depends on their Mm -hmm. history as well. If they've ever had narcissistic coaches in the past, or there's a lot of narcissistic coaches and nutritionists out there, and they could probably just have a scarred, you know, experience. So I think that also plays a role, but more importantly, I think that 40 years, you would think, you would think that you would get to the place where it's like enough is enough. But a lot of the times, like I said, you get so used to that, that you would rather stay stuck than because staying stuck is still better than like experiencing and trying to do better than you fail anyway. Like that's really the mindset of it. You've made the choice that you're not worth it. You've made the choice that you're not, you're not worthy. And you're not deserving of the pursuit of trying it because guess what? You're going to fuck up. You're going to slack off. You're going to get confused about macros here and there. You're going to have a breakdown. It's a part of the process. But if you go, I don't want to feel that at all. So I'm just going to stay stuck here and be in control for the rest of my life. Well, it's just, you're already manifesting that reality, that fear of always being stuck. You're choosing it. 
because you're just deciding I'm just, that's a little too much for me now. Like what if, what if this, what if that, like you said, you know, I'm sure both men and women experience that, but I think, you know, I think even psychologically women are more neurotic, like Mm -hmm. statistically we overthink and overwhelm and we create so much stress around the situation that we end up just deciding to just stay stuck because that just still feels better than what if I try and what if I let myself down and I feel like shit, you know what I mean? So I think that the fear, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of never being capable, the fear of being stuck is higher than the desire to change and the desire to try things new in order to get to the other side. I think also people are subconsciously fearful of the success I think that they wouldn't even know what to do if they got their dream body. <laughs> they don't trust themselves to actually have it and they don't feel worthy. They don't feel deserving of it, which I think is interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think that's a whole different rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, for sure. But yeah, no, like, like she, she told me that and it was just, it's very mind blowing, like, especially after almost 40 years of trying and dieting, and like I, I, I get, I get coming from a place of wanting to see if you could do it yourself and wanting to try to do it yourself, just to prove That's, a point yeah. to yourself. I, I get that to a point, but also at the same time, you've had that time, like yeah. that time's done and gone. Yeah. Like you've had the last 40 years to do that. Yeah. Now it's time to say, Hey, teacher, I need help. Right. Well, it's that fear of being like, I'm in control right now. And when I hire a coach that clearly cares about me, I am giving my control to you. And if you're in control, then I am uncertain. And I don't know if I'm going to lose the weight actually. And I don't know if I'm going to, even if they like logically like their conscious mind and their subconscious mind are talking two different languages, right? So consciously, they're like, this guy's great. I know he can help me, but subconsciously, I'm so fucking scared that like, I'm just going to lie to myself and tell myself that, you know, one more time, I'm going to try one more time. And, you know, maybe things will be different. It's not going to be different. And this happens to me too. And it's like I said earlier, my ego gets hurt a little bit as a coach, not in the sense of like, like, oh, this person, but it's more about, I'm such a caring person. I have this conversation with you. You just cried your fucking eyes out with me. I have the solution that you're looking for. I care about you. And I just met you, but you're choosing fear over that. And that hurts sometimes. It's like, why? You know what I mean? Because as a coach, you care. Right. And I think it's hard sometimes to watch someone choose that, but I always say I release this person to make decisions in their own life. They're a grown ass person. They want to make this decision. That's going to be on them. And that's just going to be with what they have to live with. Maybe I'll see them again. Maybe they'll try again in the next life, but that's not on me anymore. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, I, I feel that I, I feel that strongly because like, like I, I had to have that talk with myself today that you, like as coaches, we can't save everybody. Like, Ugh, like we, we truly sucks, but it's yeah, true. That's the hardest thing. <laughs> That's the hardest thing to do. And I, I I think the more I coach, the more I'm okay with it. Just yeah. because I understand if I can't save them, maybe somebody else will one day. Yeah. And yeah. Like, like just knowing like our field is rapidly growing at a crazy rate. The possibility of somebody helping them one day is extremely high. Like that, yeah. that makes me just feel so much better though. Yeah, me too. I mean, sometimes I have to remind myself that maybe you weren't supposed to be the one to like, you know, like, let's say a client, she, we soulmate client, she signs on and she ghosts me like within the first month. I'm distraught about it because I've built this mini attachment. I was really excited about their growth and they had so much potential, but they're just not ready psychologically for it. So they choose to ghost. No hard feelings. Some people don't know how to communicate, suck with confrontation, which I get. And they end up doing that, right? Well, sometimes I have to remind myself that maybe I, my purpose in their life was for that first onboarding call. And like that was it. And, and I was one to plant the seed and then they find another coach and like it grows from there. Then that just makes me all the more happy, right? Like they were still able to 
Because at the end of the day, as coaches, that's our mission Mm -hmm. is preventative, you know, preventative care and healing all the traumas that have to do with weight loss and body image and self-love and emotions and all of that. And if that's being accomplished elsewhere, fucking great. Your win is my win at that point. And honestly, that's why I don't even like it's getting, if you they could say a saturated market, but I don't really see like, I get like competition, but like, I don't really see it as competition. As long as we all have the same pure intention, I really see it as like, we're all doing the same work. So yeah, I just got to let it go. And, you know, I think it's just as a win, much of a win. Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, like a, a good health coach will always have good intentions. That's, that's, oh, yeah. my, firm, that's my firm belief. Um, but yeah, dude, like this has been great. Uh, I'm not going to hold you much longer. I've, I've held hostage for long enough. <laughs> I, I loved this. This is amazing. I'm going to have to have you on my podcast soon because I have all women. So I think it'll be interesting to have, you know, another coach's point of view and just think it'd just be lit. So I'm excited. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's get it on the book soon. Yes. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, for sure. So Lexi, uh, where, where can uh, people find you on social media? Yes. You can find me on Instagram. That's my most active profile at flexi.fitness f-l-e-x-i dot fitness on ig um and that's my same username for all platforms so that's where you can find me yo major shout out to both you for making it through the episode and major shout out to lexi for such valuable information that she shared with us on today's episode guys please remember that your mindset is so important along your journey we cannot achieve anything if our mind is not in the right place. So if your mind is not in the right place, I highly encourage you to take some of the golden nuggets that we gave you in today's episode, start applying them to your, to your life and watch your life just evolve to the next level. Speaking of evolve, our evolve program March cohort is now taking applications. So if you'd like to submit your application for the March cohort, the application link is in the bio. We are only taking on four new clients in the month of March. So apply down below and make Maybe you could be one of them. Have a great day and I will catch you next time.